What's good, everybody, and welcome to the Classic Quest podcast over here where we're going to be doing our Machiavelli, the Don Caluminati, the seven-day theory album review. My name is Holden Stefan Roy. I am your lady friend, Bonnie. And yeah, so we're going to get up into it. Uh, before we do, a little bit of housekeeping, mm-hmm. you know, just wanted to let you know that this is the show where we go through albums track by track, giving thoughts and opinions on every song. But due to the nature of copyright law, you know, we're not actually going to listen to the songs with you. We've already listened to the songs ahead of time. And, uh, you know, we're going to take a quick pause, listen along the way, and you're not going to hear the song with us. So that's just kind of what it is. Yeah. And then we'll just discuss it You can do the same the thing, fact. too. Pull up the album and listen along with us when we're listening. So for those of you on YouTube going, we're used to this already. It's because <laughs> we're doing this live on Twitch right now. So you can AKA come join live. the party on Sundays. Somewhere around 4 p.m. It seems to be the go live Eastern Standard. And you can join us at twitch.tv slash behind that suit. Links in description. And you can just be there while the podcast is live. Mm -hmm. Um, On top of that, uh, I make music myself. Links in description for those uh, that are here and checking it. You can uh, definitely let me know what you think. And I got a little contest running so you can participate in that. If you were emceeing, you got some skills. And uh, on top of that, if you support what we do, you can hit us up on the Patreon and show some love like that. As always, links in description. On that note, I think it's time for us to uh, to kind of get into it. And we do like to start off every single album review, kind of contextualizing our familiarity with the artist, giving you a sense of like why we did this album and how we ended up getting to this point. So Bonnie, why don't you tell us your familiarity with Mr. Machiavelli? Well, I, I don't know him as Mr. Machiavelli. Um, I do know him as a Tupac or Tupac Shakur. Um, but um, I don't know. I mean, I have white people knowledge of uh, <laughs> maybe not. OK, maybe not. Because, I mean, I'm sure there's white people that actually know um, more stuff about him than I do. And um, definitely. And uh, I don't know. So for me. He's just sort of like been like a pop culture figure and not necessarily somebody that I really cared about. I don't know. Not really. Not that I didn't really care about him, but like he just wasn't really like a big deal in my life. Um, but uh, yeah, California Love and like all like that kind of stuff that like played on like the radio. Obviously, I knew. But um, yeah, and we've covered some of his music already before on this channel. So that's yeah, that's pretty much my knowledge on him. Um, yeah, I mean, growing up, uh, you just kind of knew Tupac was the greatest. It didn't really matter uh, who you were, even if you didn't like hip hop in any kind of way. Yeah. You just knew hip hop. You just sorry. You just knew Tupac was the greatest MC of all time. Now I'm gonna be real with y'all. When we started our little adventure here, doing these podcasts, doing all of this stuff, I don't really understand necessarily why Tupac was was the person that he was, and this is definitely reflected in our second Tupac album review for, I think it's All Eyes on Me. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think that was the second one. Uh, the double disc one. <clears throat> we did that, and uh, I kind of talked a little bit of smack that was a little silly because I came from a place of ignorance, and I didn't understand the cultural significance of the artist that is Tupac and what he really represented and how he brought the energy to the table and showed the true complexity and landscape of, of the black experience, you know, mm-hmm. and the way he understood it and the way he applied that level of artistic journalism 
and it was and honestly there's a lot i've come to appreciate even listening to this album now just having done album reviews for years and just tupac's delivery that i never really understood before where like you can see his theater background which is something not a lot of rappers have yeah. Uh, I'm saying like straight up, like he went to the private school and whatnot and had that like theater background. He did all the movies. So being an actor actually does a lot for your ability to use your voice in a more dynamic and alive way. And I think that gave Tupac this brilliant edge in being able to just make all of these bars come to life and everything just feels so alive with it. So that's the kind of stuff I didn't really recognize back in the day. So if you do check our older Tupac reviews, you know, just keep in mind that we have grown since that point. And technically, I think like the very first episode of the Classic Quest was also a Tupac review, but it was like the fucking first episode. So like, uh, I don't know. You, you guys can roll with it. I know we did Me Against the World and we did All Eyes on Me. And yeah. one of them was the first episode and one of them was the one I did with your lady friend Bonnie where... I, mean, I think it was, we did Me Against the World, I think. Fair. So I know I've just done both of those albums. And uh, I, I honestly, I would have to go back and listen again at this point to truly appreciate the grandeur of them because I, I think I didn't understand it because I was way too caught up in what I thought was appropriate or what I thought made sense rather than trying to experience the emotional landscape that got put out. So I just wanted to acknowledge that coming into this album review, I mean, I avoided doing this particular album for a while because I was nervous for a while. Like, you know, after you, 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 you say anything about Tupac, the comment section lets you know that you should not say things about Tupac that are inappropriate. I had to learn a lot. One of the biggest valuable resources for me, at least, was the Art, uh, the Art of War documentary by Tupac, uh, sorry, by Bone Thugs, mm-hmm. and seeing how they were explaining the manifestation of what the Art of War meant to them and what thugging meant to them. and kind of added this bigger appreciation to it plus the comment section was was very helpful to contextualizing tupac as well because keep in mind that y'all are leaving these giant scathing explanations i'm reading them and like you know learning from them so feel free to scathe away at me if you feel the scathing (laughs) is is due or worthy here i do talk a lot though so if you're worried about that i'm going to talk a lot yeah um anyhow i just but like i'm on the same page because like uh you know like i know that you know he's like you know a a huge deal for a lot of people and you know a lot of people know a lot about him and like seem to you know especially like you know older cats like they seem to obviously you know people who like lived at the same time Mm -hmm. as he did and like went through you know some of the same experiences that he's talking about and things like that obviously like that's going to touch home for for them but for me like he's not my favorite rapper and I'm, I'm, I don't, I'm, you know, I'm sorry to say that, but like, you know, for me, he's not my cup of tea necessarily, but like, I get it. Like, and I get that he's, you know, I get that he's him. Right. I get that he's like who he is and why he is like such a big deal. I mean, to be clear by that, it's also to add in the activism that that guy's life is like, which when you start watching Tupac interviews, I think, not like there's TV appearances, the way he flipped off the cops after getting shot or the newspapers or whatever. It's just seeing how to the core this man lived, seeing how his values consistently aligned with the betterment of his community, raising awareness, seeing him use his intellect in the way that he did across the board, 
basically that guy is the activist and the hero in a lot of ways many people aspire to be like you look at a guy like killer mike today and i feel like oh yeah absolutely. very much in the same vein as what like tupac what was what it was you know like and a lot of people may never have even gone down that path for it like you can feel that revolutionary spirit in it and then once you do learn about stuff like the black panthers and things like that you really feel this energy inside of them that like pours through uh, his music in, in a way that I feel like without a true knowledge it's sometimes hard to like understand the differences between I guess outside of even the sonic experience but just in terms of what he's rapping about there's things I didn't necessarily get until like later on but like you shouldn't also like I mean I, I mean this is my opinion right so um, like in, in my like you know what I'm thinking is that I shouldn't have to have watched like movies and you know interviews and stuff about him in order to enjoy his music like i should but just be able to put on this on thing note, going in blank and guy, just but then if we just flip that a little bit you're correct but if the conversation he's, he's the greatest hip-hop artist of all time to even have an opinion on that qualification you kind of have to have the understanding of hip-hop you have to look at the history like when you listen to tupac's flow and you realize how many people today honestly you can trace back to tupac's flow how like all of my favorite rappers listen to tupac right like it's like when you start catching those connections when you start looking at activism and the way he lived and the way he pushed it compared to other people in the context of history and mm -hmm. the context of what other people were doing at the time um just all of it then forget about um i get the messaging even just uh if you don't understand the hood and the dynamics in there it just kind of might sound a way which was kind of how i presented myself on the last one was i was right. that guy and uh that was that was how I like I looked at it. So you're right a little bit in regards to it, but that is just excluding the Sonic experience. Because when you get to the Sonic side, I do have one complaint about Tupac, and we'll get into it through the album. And it was honestly the same complaint I had on the double disc. Um, and I, I got to do it real quick. His, the features are like none of them are like really Tupac level for the most part. Yeah. Like a couple kind of hold up and, pretty well. And there's well. some of them that are kind of like, eh, they're like really less good. And like, when you look at this track list, there's maybe two tracks without a feature on it. Like really, and it's so feature heavy. And yeah. I feel like in a lot of ways, and this isn't a criticism of Tupac. In fact, even this is a fascinating thing. Like he was all about the outlaws and trying to build up his peoples. And that was a big fucking squad. So he's just trying to give love to people. If you are around, like one of the engineers is like telling a story, just in case you don't stick around for that, where he's like, yeah, Tupac just looked at me when he's like, you can sing? And I'm like, yeah. And he's like, okay, cool. I need you to come sing these notes on the hook and come do it like this. Hmm. And like, just Tupac was that kind of guy. Like if you were ready and you were ready to go at the time, you know, you could be on a track. So on that front, from the community, from the giving your homies an opportunity to get a cut of that, like fucking master's money and all of that kind of shit. Like it's really, really dope. And you guys may not agree with me on this part because I, I can understand how like, I'm not like trying to take away from the quality of the albums or anything like that. I just don't like all the outlaws i think a couple of the outlaws sound really great next to tupac and the rest of the outlaws sound like 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 when you have those posse cuts where like the main guy sounds like amazing yeah and like the rest of them kind of sounds like i think flip mode squad is one of the only squads really where i think the whole posse sounds like fucking proper and it doesn't really matter who they are hmm. but outlaws is certainly not one of those posses where i think that they like 
really all bring the same level of skill. So that's not a disrespect to Tupac. It's it's like again a compliment to him as a community guy and it's like to me just kinda unfortunate that all of the peeps is there. Anyway, that's all that I had kinda going into this project, uh whatnot. Um, what do you think about the title of it and the because we're just going to get into the track by track soon so what do you think about the title and the cover um so the title um i guess it's like a you know his theory on things and so he's giving us his thoughts based off of you know the seven day theory part and on that Illuminati, like it's obviously he's talking about the Illuminati and how he's you know how's there there's also this kind of conspiracy kind of theory going on um as well because I think you know a lot of people think that the, you know the Illuminati is involved in so many conspiracy theories um and I don't know so I guess that kind of makes sense and for the cover for, for me I found it a little bit weird um it's sort of like a picture in the middle um and it's of him being crucified and there's this like little message below that says that it's not meant to be offensive to Jesus which is interesting like you know that he says that and Jesus was not the only person crucified like people were crucified all the time back then so he could be doing it for that reason but also it is sort of you know he is feeling a little bit like he's a martyr and he's going to be sacrificed for the people in that sense um, and for the greater good um, and I suppose it's kind of ironic or sad that you know that he ended up getting killed and uh, you know and also that he probably felt those pressures and you know had like those haters and threats and things like that and he obviously was kind of um, involved in a little bit of trouble but um, yeah that's it. Uh, that's all I have to say about that. It's okay. Okay, so I'm going to have to say that the cover, to me at least, has like a lot more to discuss just because it's such a fascinating, and there's, there's stuff to it. So the Don Caluminati part, Caluminati, it's like a combination of Illuminati and Kill alluding to a series of, of um, you know, conspiracies and mm -hmm. whatnot that are probably going on. And as I understand it, at this point in his life, Pac was heavy into weed and conspiracy theories and, you know, did believe that there were people out to kill him. Well, rightfully so, right? You, you do, yeah. after getting shot a bunch, have the right to uh, be paranoid be for the rest that, yeah. of your life and be skeptical, right? Because that, that makes total sense to me. There's nothing about that that's weird. Um, and then... Uh, there and then I find even the Machiavelli's fascinating, right? Because he, Machiavelli is such an interesting character. I mean, effectively everything like related to power, uh, like let's say if you take like Forty Eight Laws of Power, I call that book is like the really long version of Machiavelli's The Prince. So like, in terms of the psychoanalytical perception of people and and the way power is distributed you know like it's clear that like Pac was influenced and study uh, obviously reading Machiavelli but another thing about Machiavelli that's fascinating was the part where he faked his own death mm. right so because it's worth stating and normally you do this but Tupac died uh, September 13th 1996 and this album comes out November 5th 1996 right yeah early uh, it was Suge Knight that put it out uh, four months early it was supposed to come out in March 1997 right. But um, I guess, you know, you're going to maybe capitalize on the buzz a little bit. Mm -hmm. and I don't mean that to be negative. I mean, it's kind of what it looks like to me. Often when labels yeah. do release the music so close to the death, it's to capitalize on the death. But also because while all the fans are grieving, because you know that down the line, you'll never have that level of hype again. Um, yeah. Maybe not in the case of Tupac. Tupac's really special in, in that regard. But for most artists. 
Uh, rest in peace, though. I, I just to, like throw it out like that. Yeah. Um, so we have that whole skeptical thing. Machiavelli's already tapped into it. You know, he's w- thinking he's going to die. So everything is kind of weird. Then there's the seven-day theory part, which is not really clearly explained. Evidently, it's because he recorded the album in seven days. And I say evidently because when I Googled that and looked into it, uh, studio logs, okay, so the seven days to completion, like three days of recording and four days of mixing and mastering is the theory behind it. But the studio logs show 12 days of recording. So, I mean, very impressive, okay? Nobody's trying to take away from the impressive nature of it. It may be that the seven-day theory part was a little little fabricated to be a good like marketing tool as opposed to being the actual factuals and again I just found a few articles that came out in the late 2010s like 2017 18 and all of them gave dates that were more than seven days for the length of time it took to record this Um, album I just looked it up quickly and it says that the reoccurrence of the numbers surrounding Tupac's death is called the seven-day theory the theory states that Pac will return to us seven years after he's left i was gonna get to yeah. that because i remember in 2003 yeah i think it's yeah it's 2003 i remember being in high school and everybody uh talking Waiting for him to just be like i'm back yeah i remember that i remember being at this like summer camp somewhere and it was like a big conversation after and we were all like a bunch of people who were way too young to know anything about anything debating whether or not Tupac was like hiding out in an island and then there was all the tabloid sightings of Tupac over the years and then everybody inevitably got to the point where um, at least in my life that if the man was going to make a public return it would have happened at this point Uh, but I think it's so fascinating and that all of this that there were people that believed for years there were people that I know who believed that Tupac was still alive in like the 2000s and even like way past 2003 there were people who I'm sure there's still somebody out there that even watching this to this day that believes Tupac is still alive and waiting out there that's all good that's all fine um I don't have a lot more to comment on it but I did like the disclaimer on the cover I thought that was really fascinating you don't see a lot of that like just to have that level of self-awareness yeah because he's already he knew t- that people were going to be like oh and then he's like no 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 it's not about that but he's already like taken on the government, right? Like mm-hmm. one of those classic lines is Dolores Tucker's use a motherfucker, you know, because she was the one that uh, ended up being part of the group, I believe, that tried to shut down hip hop music oh, okay. entirely. That's off of How Do You Want It? Okay. Um, banger tune, if you don't know it. Anyway, uh, and I like the part where the parental advisory things over his dick. I think that's just kind of clever. But I think in a lot of ways, Tupac was sacrificed for society yeah i mean gang violence and the pop culture side of it if you look at the media like they were really playing that up we're not i'm not talking about the rappers i'm talking about the media the way people were eating into it like people weren't treating it like it was real life is this is my understanding i could be completely wrong and if i am i'm sorry and feel free to correct me but i think that in a lot of ways tupac's death ended up being like a wake-up call and then obviously biggie following up a little bit later as to the like seriousness and Mm -hmm. when i say like to people i mean to people who weren't really surrounded by death to a lot of the people outside looking in yeah um anyway that's but i think also too it's uh i mean he kind of touches on it like uh, about kind of like white people like being like sort of not the enemy but like having issues with white people and um you know maybe also like they're the ones that are you know like 
sacrificing him and they don't want him and they want him dead and you know he he's got you know he fears everything he you know as a as a black man as uh you know you know he, he was friends with a lot of you know gang members and you know things like that and i don't know so obviously he's um yeah he's feeling like he's going to be sacrificed i guess fair enough i think we can get into the track by track part now sure and first one is called bomb first my second reply all right bonnie what do you think about the very first song on the very last tupac album well of the ones he recorded mm-hmm. live and stuff so um this one uh features outlaws i wanted to mention that as well uh or you know we're getting like all of like the the kind of crew tracks i guess um so it starts off with like a news reporter uh kind of like talking about like tupac and like him releasing his new album and that there's like this kind of uh conspiracy that um like they're going to assassinate him and like the they that i'm talking about are uh some of like new york city's like biggest rappers um who he calls out by name um like you know jay-z nas biggie mob deep um like all of those guys um and you know he's kind of like saying like it's all about being a man and he's talking the truth and everything he's saying is true um and then like you hear like a heartbeat and um you know it does sound like he's sort of like fearful and you know nervous about kind of like what's to come um and uh yeah then yeah he's just kind of like angry and then you hear like gunshots and uh like you know like they're coming after him they're trying to shoot him and kill him and uh you know the outlaws they're basically like they're they're willing to die for him and protect him um yeah um i mean he he's trying to like be and i don't know if he's trying to be or if he just is um you know a little bit scary and angry and um i don't know if he's like not trying like to be but it um it's certainly like not really like I don't know. I, I mean, I, I guess this is a beef, and I know people like people beefing, but I don't really like listening to it. But um, he's definitely coming off in, like, an attacking way, and I don't know if that's helping his case at all um, in terms of, like, you know, like, see, like, I think that, like, you know, when we think about him um, and being, like, an activist and trying to, like, be, like, a peaceful guy, at the same time, you're having, like, all that's of these... It. I would argue that that's not... He was never trying to be a peaceful guy. Being an activist and being a peaceful guy are not... I, necess- I know, fact, yes. The Black Panthers are not necessarily, like, I, I would argue, peaceful in the, in, the, in the respect of peace and love. They were often, if you come at me, I will defend myself with fervor. Right. And yes, there's a sense of militance, but keep in mind with it, he feels, at least, because there's no proof in this regard, that Puffy and Biggie Mm -hmm. set him up at a studio and that these people that were his friends tried to kill him. Right. So in regards to this, this is like a caged animal lashing out and feeling the rage of having your friends and them turn on you because it's not like random people. No, I know. He believes he's going to die. He believes these people are going to come at him. I've seen it where it's like, when he got shot, the thing that blew his mind the most was that, you know, a black man could shoot him. Like, that fucked him up so yeah. much, right? So I understand in the, the context of if Pac was out there trying to wave a peace flag and whatever. But no, he was going to war to defend his honor, to, like, stay alive, to, like, 
you know, in that regard. And so I, I really, I just wanted to throw that in because I don't know about the help his case comment. I don't think that's what he was trying to do. I think he was trying to put raw emotional expression on the table. He woke up And he's up obviously, that day, like, pissed off. Like, you he could hear it in his voice. the rage and the pain of so, these people who came at him. And it's like, why did he need to reinvent himself as Machiavelli? Mm -hmm. You know, like, that's honestly, like, what I feel like the, coming out of that energy. Like, he had to do this, you right. know? This isn't a choice. Like, he feels like a gun to his head. Literally, yeah. Um, like, yeah, it def I mean, and definitely, like, that. it starts off, like, hard. Like, this is, like, a, a pretty, like, you know, kind of hard, aggressive sort of, like, beginning. Um, and, you know, it's basically, like, a death threat in a sense. Um, like, I don't know. Like, I, you know, I definitely comes across as, like, hearing this without any context, it c comes across a little bit petty and angry and whatever. But obviously, like, you know, when you think about what happened, like, it's... Yeah, it's a little bit more serious than that, right? So, um, you know, and he definitely talks about, like, being, like, a leader. Um, but, like, I don't know. But that's just what it is. And, um, yeah, anyways. And I know that, like, when I say, like, negative things about, like, Tupac that, like, you know, I'm going to, like, have haters. But it's more... But this is just my opinion. But like, it's, I'm, like, it's, it's, like, I think it's more the difference because I think I've come to understand a bit the difference between what pisses people off. To, like, say that... Tupac isn't helping his case is a, is a, maybe a comment that triggers some people because that, I mean, I mean, that I get it. is the lack of context and in an album review it doesn't really even touch on the musical qualities whereas in the sense of the song it's a war song they come in for you guys yeah like and it definitely sounds like that like and it if sounds you think about the competitive arena of hip-hop where being the hardest on wax is important mm -hmm. it totally fits into everything else that anybody else is writing in that oh, regard yeah where maybe it gets a little more specific is how he starts off his album with that introduction where he does name drop some people. Mm -hmm. I fucking love the Hawaii. After knowing what, having seen the Hawaiian Sophie video, it just is funny every time somebody brings up Hawaiian Sophie for Jay-Z because it's just such a corny video. Or, you know, he comes up Mob Deep and Notorious B.I.G. in them. But it's also like, uh -huh, Big Little, whatever. I think that's uh, Little C's that he's talking about. Um, but basically, I think this is just also, I'm not afraid to say your name. Right. This isn't no sneak. Because so many people are into sneak disses. That's fair. And yeah. And subtles and this and that. Like, He's Tupac direct. is basically being like, I'm such a man. I'm not going to, like, hide this shit. I'm going to fucking come through. Plus, he says Nas's name. Uh, Nas said the only time he ever got brought up is on the last track on this album. Apparently, it's also on the intro of this mm -hmm. album. Yeah, Nas felt like, apparently, because I might forget later on, that he was a little bit surprised and hurt that Tupac brought him into this all. He was like, what? <laughs> but apparently, they were beefing. I don't know. According to Tupac, they were beefing. But it's also like, and this is shit where I'm speculating. At this point, though, it may be that Pac just, Pac looked at anybody over there. And that was said, like associated. Even because, I mean, Mob Deep, very clearly, yes, they did that whole fucking track back at them. Nas is from Queens. Mob Deep is from Queens. May as well, you know. But Nas is also, anyway, we'll get to that later on. That He gets almost like a whole fucking verse dedicated to him later on on this project, which I'd never heard before. And so I was so surprised to see it. But yeah, just under that point of view, I don't think people are going to get mad as long as we avoid saying things like, Pac should have done this or should ha not have done this because we don't fucking know. I think it was anybody that was associated. Hold on, just to go back to your like your last thing was just I think it was anybody that was associated with Bad Boy Records. Like I think it was like that was Biggie's, uh, like, like uh, label, right? Yes. 
So I um, think it was like just because of that. But I mean, uh, specifically, I know Mob Deep, who's from Queens, mm. took shots at Tupac specifically. Yeah. Um, anyway, uh, I, I know I cut you off there, but no, I, that that was fine. Um, anyways, so I gave I, I like this one. I mean, uh, the Outlaws are good. I like Tupac's voice. Um, I don't know. I mean, it was a fine one. Um, you know, sort of like an angry, aggressive uh, beginning. Um, so you kind of assume that like this is going to be about like the feud between like the East Coast, West Coast, Coast rappers, and um, that he's going to show us that you know West Coast rules. Basically, uh, that's kind of like how it kind of starts off, I guess. So I give this one a four point two on five. Um, I'm gonna stay right at the jump. Uh. The production on this track is weird. It's really strange. <laughs> yeah, it, some of them are a little bit it's weird. It's like a horror-y G-funk, but with a bunch of sounds that are arranged in a way unlike most of what I've heard. So it has this jarring, aggressive, almost offensive feel to the beat. Yeah. It's the kind of beat where I don't know if I like it yet. I would actually have to sit on this beat for weeks to have an idea if I even like it or not because it's so out there and so unfamiliar it's an interesting sound of pr production and i think it's just worth pointing out um that in a lot of cases on this album the production is a huge influence on my my grade because as much as Pac brings everything to the table that he brings there's still the beat that's still part of the listening experience and if the beat is not fire it, and then this is not my favorite beat on the album there are much better beats on this project in my opinion this is one of those strange ones where I think it stands out and it's an aggressive sounding thing, but it is what it is. I'm also not the biggest fan of the the posse, the the friends that come in at the end, Young Noble, I think it is. He just or EDI mean, like they just don't sound anywhere near as good yeah. against Tupac. Like just look at the way he rhymes, like allow me to introduce first Machiavelli to Don. Hysterical spiritual lyrics like the Holy Quran. People get shook like five oh my four or five is next to me when we bob for survival. Like to rhyme five O with survival, I mean it's not the hardest thing to do, but he does it smooth and flawless, right? He does it just so per perfect, and the way he just rides and the way he articulates and enunciates every single syllable is fucking ridiculous. It's just fucking awesome. Um, I don't know. I just feel like it, it, it. That's that's like the brilliance of Tupac. It's his ability to create this theatrical experience with his voice. So it's more than just a rapper rapping. It's almost like watching a, an, an actor bring a scene to life with his voice, which is why when the production and the features are like less stellar, you're left with this sense of like you're glowing and you're riding on the Tupac train. And then all of a sudden we jump off the Tupac train and it's just like, oh, outlaws train not as fun not as fun but i love the aggression you just feel like you have this intro but tupac just kind of puts out his verse like it's a mission statement we fucking are exposing the snakes we are coming through we are the real ones we were forced into this like outworld we are from the darkest shit and we're gonna fucking take them down that's just what i took from that verse it's amazing specifically he's a bad boy killer jay-z died too you know mm -hmm. looking out for mob deep he's coming for them I mean, I could run through all the bars in this, and again, it's just this aggressive rage filled. It's not necessarily the intellectual wittyism. Granted, very well written, extremely well rhymed, but I think it's very blunt, very slap you in the face, cleverly composed, put together lyrics that like are rewarding to listen to over and over again. But let's be real, part of it is just the way he can carry a note. 
the way he sings almost to match it like his voice has such a melody to it where he's completely on key and just brings the perfect pitch to ride it through the way he cuts all of his bars just a little bit early or whatever just to create the perfect spacing within the pocket like it's Mm -hmm. it's such a finesse to the way he rhymes that i really love it so much um, I like the idea. We're gonna bomb first. We're gonna lash out first because you know we have to almost. You know we bomb first when we ride. Please reconsider before you die. We ain't even kind of hurt nobody tonight, but it's my life for your life, and I'm a bomb first. So like when you look at that chorus, you're like, this is a guy whose back's against the wall, lashing out. I mean we've been over that already. Uh, EDI means all right. He just says the same stuff, but I feel like it's like his flow's all right. Like everything about this is he's a good rapper. But he's not the kind of rapper that has the kind of voice that is as like imprinting memorable. I listened to this whole project at least three or four times and I could not tell the different outlaws apart by the end by voice alone. (laughs) Whereas Pac is identifiable after your first listen. There's just guys like that. They're just instantly identifiable for life after hearing their voice. Um, So is EDI mean talented? Yeah, he's he's a talented guy. It's just a bit of like a letdown after Pac. Like... Like, that's all I'm saying. Like, it's it's fine. They're bad boy killers. And, you know, it's the same thing on, like... They just sound young, also. I don't know. It's like every track where Pac brings them on, it, it felt like it was the same kind of feel. But it's all right. It yeah. fits. Thematically, they're on point. But they're all right. They're, they're okay. I don't want to just sit there and say negative stuff. I like the chorus. I like the way it fits in. I like the way the whole track flows into... The, and then the beat kind of rides a little bit. And it gives you this great vibe, this great experience... It's totally dope. Honestly, I give it a 4.25. Had the Outlaws not been there and had I liked the beat more, this would have been Knock It Out the Park because Pac's performance on that verse and that chorus is absolutely stellar. Yeah. Um, and then the beginning of the next track actually starts at the end of this track, which uh, shows that this album is probably meant to be listened to as an album. Yeah. I feel like people do that kind of stuff when like you kind of have to go to the end of the first song to get the true experience of listening to Hail Mary. Yep. What do you think of Hail Mary? Um, I don't know. It definitely has like a very nice like sound and backtrack. Um, it just makes me think of like Bone Thugs and Harmony. And I know it should be the other way around, but that's life. Um, so um, I like this like the slowness and like that sort of like ominous feeling. Like it, you know, it kind of gives you like that kind of dark. Um, creepy like you know like they're walking through like the hood and I don't know like there's there's something going on right and um, you know and we also, there's also like a church bell featured like I always like those like little like featured sounds I appreciate them um, his voice is just like really smooth I, I like it a lot like it's just like it's nice um, and it's just sort of like a, a ride or die type of story like you know just gotta like be with him or don't and like that's it like he's you know it's a it's all or nothing type situation and uh you know he's got like the some of the outlaws i think on this song again and um i don't know i liked it um i like the tone i like the vibe uh it definitely is like a a chill creepy sort of like gangster kind of a song and i i don't know cool so i give this one a 4.5 on five for real, this is one of the best rap songs I think I ever heard in my life as far as nostalgic memory goes. Like, this is one of those tracks where, I mean, when I hear Machiavelli in this, Kalumanadi, I'll throw your body to blow is like a 12-gauge shoddy, you just know it's going to be a good time. 
and I mean it's a strange set of words to say with no context but uh, I mean the beat kicks in and then the way he just talks over that chorus and that's something that Tupac is stellar at like mm -hmm. he has the chorus going and then he's not enough with the chorus is this not one of the best choruses just mm -hmm. that's what sells this that come with me it is catchy hail mary run quick see what do we have here now do you want to ride or die and then the la da, 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 oh my gosh yeah. and it just kind of like really it eases that. out it's haunting he sings it just kind of melodically softly it's got this eeriness with it it's just great it's just awesome um and then just when he starts it like who I mean, you don't, but everybody I know knows I ain't a killer, but don't push me. Revenge is like the Swedish joy next to getting pussy. I mean, I know a lot of people where that's actually true, because let's be real, getting some ways is a real good time. And then, you know, getting uh, revenge is, you know, a satisfying experience with the same level of satisfaction that comes with something like sex. Or just the idea, like, I'm not a killer, but don't tempt me. Like, just in the first two lines, he manages to say like so much mm -hmm. and i think this track is where some of the most brilliance of tupac's writing is just, like picture paragraphs unloaded wise words being quoted peep their weakness in the rap game and sodi just like that like using the language and the complex lexicon i bring to the table i'm able to look at what they're doing wrong and create the perfectness ah it just flows out through and then the rest of this it's like you know uh, with a bit of a religious tone, like, bless me, please, Father, I'm a ghost in his killing fields. Hail Mary, catch me if I go. Anyway, so there's a bit of, like, a religious themes to it playing up on that. Well, also, which like, I, the church bells and, like, all of that. Yeah. Um, and then you got that, like, there's the dark tense, like, there's something, like, chasing after him. So it, you get this atmosphere of needing to protect himself again that's followed through from the last track. It's not and also I'm the lashing cover. out. It's I have I've got to defend myself but really where i think this song truly shines and some of the most powerful poetry that i've heard come out of almost anybody is penitentiaries is packed with promise makers never realized the precious time these uh is wasting institutionalized i live my life a product made to crumble but to harden for a smile work too crazy to be humble yo those four lines might eloquently paint the entire black people being sent to prison pipeline hood environment in the most beautiful sense of language where like penitentiaries is packed with promise makers that means that all the people that ended up going to jail that are so vilified by the world by that system that institutionalizes people right they were all just people that had promise and potential and were going to see a better world until this shit came through and everybody's too hard to smile they're too crazy to be humble because of the environment they're in we ballin catch me father please because i'm falling in the liquor store and if you think about that it's like you want to see you rise but at the end of the day you're still just in this corner liquor store lost in this haze of alcohol leading into this crazy shit oh just it's just a beautiful sense of of things I still like the way he goes past the Hennessy I hear you calling can I get some more till I reach hell I ain't scared you know like just the way he says it like that like honestly like he's drunk at this point and he's just trying to hype himself up to get into it I'm not going to go into this much depth for the whole album because right. I mean it is what it is but I think Hail Mary is just a brilliant fucking song and really exemplifies the more theatrical and brilliant side of his composure but then Castro comes on they got an APB out of my thug family since outlaws run these streets like these scandalous freaks and 
man, that is just nowhere near the level of poetic <laughs> beauty and grace that we got from Tupac, right? And it really hurts the song. It's not like it's bad. It's just fine. It's just okay. It's just good. It's it's a good verse next to pure brilliance, you mm -hmm. know? Yeah. And then Young Noble, it's too, like, you know, it's all right. It's a good verse. But there's nothing in there that's, like, so quotable that I'm, like, redefining perceptions. It's just, all right. It just adds to the atmosphere of the track. But I think it's a bit of a negative. And then you get uh, Qaddafi's part where I really actually like his little intro bit. Like, if it's on, if it's on, we re re uh, re break that part there. That's a decent part. I think that fitted because it felt like a bridge. And I do think that some of these bridges next to Tupac have, like, a certain feel to it that's pretty dope. Um, and then, yeah, the Prince Ital Joe part's pretty good. Um, I like him, the way he sings, because it's also coming at it with a bit more of a Caribbean flair. Yeah. Which... I mean, I'm not getting that from Tupac right here, so that's a fair additive. But I feel like had Pac just wrapped all the verses on this, it would have been gold. And I feel like in every song, for the most part, with Outlaws, <laughs> had Pac, Pac done all of it, it would have been liquid gold. Because, yo, this track is otherwise artistic brilliance. And it's so weird for me to feel like I'm not giving this a five. But the other features come on, and it is yeah. what it is. So 4.5, because I really do really really love everything else the beat is just flawless that is one of the best rap beats i've ever heard in my life I'm not even gonna lie anyway we can move it on to a sex jam a little bit let's toss it up yo right, let's get the elephant out of the room they heard no diggity dre had just left the fucking uh, death row record so there's a little bit of animosity there so they jacked the no diggity beat and basically wanted to dish dre by outdoing his track and yep. so he got in the crew he got in Casey and Jojo he got in Danny Boy Stewart and Aaron Hall you know they came on they R&B'd that shit up oh, Pac came yeah. through with his rapping you could see what he did but Blackstreet sent a cease and desist and we're like you can't you can't really do that you can't you can't take our beat yep. so we got this version which is almost like a remixed beat but you can hear the no diggity in this. Oh, like you yeah, can for hear sure. It. I like the way it came fit. You know, like, you know, like, you just hear it. Like, I actually had to go check to see if KC, JoJo, or anybody was in Blackstreet. Because to be honest with you, I didn't know who was in Blackstreet. And I'm like, wait, is KC and JoJo in Blackstreet? And then I found out all about the, the beef and the jacking of it all. Because mm -hmm. I don't know any of the people in Blackstreet. So it's certainly not KC and JoJo. Uh, but I just thought that was amazing. I'm like, yeah. yo, that's a flex. That's like some, that's a flex. That's like a jack your beat. Uh, I'm going to rewrite your song and we're going to do it. We're going to do it better. <laughs> that's, that's the goal of this one. Uh, but what do you think about it? Yeah. Um, and it, I mean, so it starts off with the intro part is um, sort of about like Suge Knight personally, um, you know, rest in peace. But uh, he wasn't to, always the greatest guy. Suge, he's not dead. Isn't he? He's in jail. Mm, okay. Never mind. Uh, I thought he had passed away, or not passed away, but anyways. Um, His reputation has passed away. Maybe. Uh, so anyways, so yeah, he's he, not always the best guy. And um, and about Snoop. So he's talking about Snoop and about Dre. And uh, so obviously, like, you know, there was some issues with them. And uh, this is like a whole just, like, you know, like you said, for, for Dr. Dre. Um... <laughs> like, 
the I, I I just found like this whole track kind of like random, and it definitely is supposed to be random. Um, like the vibe of like the chorus with like JoJo and Danny Boy, I feel like is so different from like the rest of the song, and then like mixed in with like the, um, like it's like a happier and sexier kind of a song and yet at the same time it's still like a diss track it just felt very disconnected for well, me i mean it's fascinating you say that because if you look at the construction tupac's first verse is very on theme yeah right like you know he's gonna get the the girl got you curious for thug passion i picture that tongue kissing handful of air look in my eyes time to make the bed rock baby look how it rise i like the way i know i didn't do the melody rise but the mm. way he just does that line the way he sings it oof that's the finesse of Tupac. This has very how do you want it vibes if you were to ask me. Yeah. Um, and how do you want it is one of the best fucking tracks ever. Um, and then you get all the R&B shit where I'll be honest with you, it sounds lovely. I just kind of zoned out and vibe to the to the beat. It reminded me of Blackstreet. It was all right. Yeah. There's nothing they said that was that was fine. But let's be real. I'm not going to be throwing on a lot of R&B like this anyway so i would have just glossed over it but then when pot comes back it's straight fuck you dre for like the yeah. whole fucking verse and i i agree with you you're a little bit like does this does this belong on this like song? it's just kind of like a whole bunch of things kind of like 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 a sandwich of like just let's just throw everything into it you know i don't know it, like and i like the use of like uh no diggity because i like no diggity and you know like i feel like the best part of the song is that so thanks dre like it's kind of weird uh like it's like i guess well, it's sort of like i guess thanks dre for quitting death row pissing off Tupac. right like, song. like yeah and you know it's smart in like the sense that he did this but also kind of weird and like petty again like it just kind of comes across like that so um you know personally i like listening to people having fun and he just kind of sounds like vengeful and pissed off like i don't know it's very weird but um i don't know it's not something that i would necessarily listen to i would go and listen to black street uh way faster than i would listen to this one but um and i also find like the story is obviously like unless you know what's going on like you know it's kind of out of date like it's you know if you, if you didn't know what was happening at that time um but so it's not necessarily in like the sense of like let's be real though the number of people that are going to dig into the don Columinati deep cuts on the project the non-hits yeah, yeah. like i'm just saying like go, in, ter in terms of listenability is the story still relevant not so much but i get that he was pissed off at the time we all get that so I mean, anyways i give this one a 4.25 i completely agree with you when you're going this is two songs stuck together that kind of feel weird um and i agree with that because mm -hmm. i mean i'm not, i'm left with the feeling where the first verse that pot gives is really great but it really it's does, not bad it's just kind of it disconnected feels like a bit of a b-side to um how do you want it so i'd rather go listen to how do you want it i like the beat more and everything and i believe casey and jojo are on that one too so mm -hmm. i even have casey and jojo to vibe on that one with uh like i said the middle part of this track I, it's fine it's just again not my cup of tea that kind of stuff i actually really like the dr j verse i think it's a really strong verse it's just that i've been listening to men serenade me about trying to get laid with my girl and stuff the whole way through here and now we're, how do you want it what's your phone number i got around kylie love to my truth does picture me now fair enough and i like that he shouts out how do you want it um apparently what's your phone number is also a tupac song i get around also a uh, tupac song you know, these are all just kind of a bunch of his tracks. So it's a cool way to start it. I guess it's like showing 
this is my legacy. Right. Stood on for that death row sound, searching for paydays, no longer Dre Day. And I'm like, oh, oh, okay. Mm-hmm. But really, it's the check your sexuality as fruity as this Alize. So he's already bringing up the bisexual Dre rumors, which which had come up very recently, I think, in one of our reviews. So yeah, probably by get, me, because I think yes, cause you bring he's it gay. Up. <laughs> or I also like when he's like screaming Compton, but you can't return. Ain't you heard? Brothers pissed because you switched and escaped to the burbs. And that's not the first one to say that. Other people have kind of made that kind of commentary about Dre as well, where, like, you know, you kind of, I think it was, like, Ice Cube even brought that up. Like, you know, like, it's kind of what they did. And uh, I'm not saying it's right or wrong. It's not even my place to have an opinion on it. I do think it's fascinating that that's such a qualifying point that, like, Tupac brings it up here. Like, you can't come back to Compton even if you want to shout it out because they don't like you no more. Mm-hmm. And then it just kind of ends with Aaron Hall doing his thing while Tupac rants a little bit more, you know, and it, it's fine. I give it a 4.25. I think Pac's parts are brilliant, but again, it's it's like two songs, and it's a fucking weird switch in the middle. And I would love to know what y'all thoughts are on this one because... This is one of those ones where do you guys like this? Do you guys think like is there like a deeper thing? Is this like a oh Dre, you're such a, a woman, I gotta throw you on my sex song? Like is that like the implied this here? Maybe. Like is it like that level of thing that's happening? I don't fully get it. That's okay. We could move on to what I think to be a truly wonderful track on this album, To Live and Die in LA. I think where we can really, really, really like see Tupac shining is and maybe i just misheard it but if you listen to the line better learn about the dress code b's and c's all them other copycats d's is g's and the way i heard him say it it's like d's as in the letter d is g's and just kind of keeping up on that like alphabet bar but still also keeping the language because what are mm-hmm. b's and c's bloods and crips these are g's you know like oh shit I just love the way you can do that with phonetics and play with it. The way he just spits every line. Like, there's a cool calmness to this because it's L.A. So it's all cool, like a cucumber in the delivery of every line. But there's also this heaviness to this track. Like, yeah. this is the world that we're in. This is the the thing. Like, full of drama like a soap opera on the curb watching the ghetto bird helicopters I observed. And if we think about the police state, you know, that was happening there with all of the actual things the like helicopters and, drugs and, and everything, all of that stuff that was going on back in the 90s, like it's kind of adds like a certain weight to hearing the lines or just picturing it. It's, it's this beautiful, gorgeous place where everybody wants to go and everybody wants to be. But at the end of the tape, you know, there's still also the part where it's complicated and like it's like everyone's trying to get rich and everyone's out there trying to hustle and everyone's out there trying to do their thing. And I think this song is just brilliant because it's so universal, right? It's one of those tracks where you can listen to it and it's not just like you're a gangbanger or whatever. It's It's got this universality to everybody who is struggling out there can relate to this song and within themselves find their own stuff. Like, you know, and then everyone's got to live by that code. Like, you know, cold heart about it. Got fl- smoked by a friend trying to floss on a blind or a broken man's dream. A hard lesson. Court cases keep me guessing. Plea bargaining an option now, so I'm stressing. Cost me more to be free than a life in the pen. So it's like showing that the consequences of the environment and just also tying into his own story and how he ended up facing jail and how he ended up going through certain situations in his life that have him kind of reevaluating stuff. But then it's also the universality that almost anybody going through that kind of hard environment life can listen to that. And while it might be about Tupac and his experiences, he's written it in a way where it could be anybody's story. It's just kind of an airy open letter almost this is what it is to live and die in la 
and I just think it's it's really really brilliantly put together. I think the way he does it is great. The beat is just airy. That chorus just smacks it out the park. It's one of the more solid ones on this album. And there's no outlaws. There's nobody else. It's just Tupac flossing by himself for the most part. I accept Val Young's contributions to the chorus because it's kind of like a backdrop on the chorus, a female singer. Fair enough, right? But the way he just sings it, um, and even just bringing it back, like remember K-Day, Weekends, Crenshaw, MLK? You know, I just mm-hmm. I just really appreciate, like just, you know, let's bring it back to when we were younger and the radios were playing these things and everyone was chilling around or just, you know, chilling around where the weed at you know just the way you like said that line just like yo i'm in the middle here of my story get send that my way you know <laughs> and then he shouts out all these people that were around him and all the people and i don't know this one is just so feel good the music video is so corny it's just pock with all these girls like a couple of guys end up and it's mostly pock surrounded by women in cars everywhere he's going yeah like he starts off selling some shit at the beginning and girls kidnap him and it's just goofy but at the same time you're left with the sense of like honestly the baby's music videos okay. gives me that sense of this is just a fun goofy guy <laughs> who just wants to bounce on some asses and have a fun time like you can just picture him playing the bongo drums <laughs> on the asses or the titties anyway uh i really really appreciated this track i think it is one of the best songs on this album i give it a five on five it is just it's also got like a summery airy vibe to it where i feel like in dark times you can throw this on and while life is hard this is almost like looking at the beauty within the darkness so it's to live and to die in la and i think it really captures the essence really well yeah i mean i definitely uh, agree with you on that um so it starts off with like a, an interview that we're hearing um, maybe uh, they're talking up this girl's kind of talking about like how uh, you know maybe some of the things that Tupac you know has said is you know maybe causing more problems than uh, you know and helping than he's helping I guess um, but you know just kind of leaving it at that um, and like this one the beat is really nice like it's just so nice like like and it is really just sort of like talking about the realities of life um you know especially as a black man in LA um and how wherever he goes he's a target and you know he whether it's gangs whether it's the police whether it's you know just a crazy person like you know it's this is it and um you know and it does kind of have that kind of like breezy sort of like summer feeling and uh you know he's talking about how nice the weather in LA is and uh all of that and that you know even though that there's all these problems that uh you know that are there that he's facing that he's a part of that his community is a part of there's no place that he would rather be um and this is definitely like I said you know and like you said um sort of like a summer song and I can just like kind of like imagine myself like driving around in like LA in the 90s and like you know it's just being like a smooth car summer song like it just makes me feel that um like so I can really just appreciate that he's kind of like putting me in that mindset and just like like I'm like there and um I can really appreciate that um and he also mentions like the the minorities, like the blacks and the Mexicans, and I think he kind of says that uh, they are the ones that help make the city the way it is, mm-hmm. and how vibrant and you know, you know, multicultural and like how it is a part of things. And it was you know a part of Mexico uh, initially, and the city is called the Angels in uh, Spanish. 
uh, you know, Los Angeles. It's just the angels. And so when you think about that, like, I, you know, I think he kind of touches on it a little bit in his uh, in his song. But it's just like, you know, it's full of angels. And I think in that sense, it is a place to die. And there is that kind of like haunting beauty, beauty that's there because it's full of angels and like that sense, like, you know, that there are a lot of people who maybe died unnecessarily. So it's beautiful. And yet there is that sort of like pain and like darkness to it at the same time so there's that um i also wanted to mention this la california love part motherfucking two without gay ass dre so again (laughs) he is very he's pissed off with dre and he isn't the only person that thinks that uh you know he might possibly be gay which is totally fine uh but he's saying it more as a diss uh in that sense you know whatever and You know, this probably is why Dre never came out. (laughs) He was just getting so much hate. Whether or not he is, I don't know. Maybe he never has to, right? So, um, and also this one feels a little bit like R&B inspired as well. I just wanted to like mention that, like that, that there is that sort of, he does kind of like, he comes across hard and yet like, you know, he, there's definitely like different types of music that's in his music. And I think that that's kind of cool. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's a really great song and it's a love song basically for LA, uh, mixed in with a little bit of like hate for Dre. So I gave this one a 4.75 on five. All right, let's move on to the next one, which is called Blash for Me. So this one is definitely like more of an assault on religion and kind of its role in the hood. And I thought that was super fascinating because each verse kind of takes on a different tone, right? So obviously it's the same stuff. Tupac's rapping is sincerely brilliant. This beat is, in my opinion, one of the stronger beats. Like it's got that eerie sense, but it really fits the tone of it. So in the first verse, we kind of take a look a bit more at the environment, the people who are kind of where he's growing up in, you know, like my family tree consists of drug dealers, slugs and killers struggling, knowing to hustle, screaming, fuck their feelings. I got advice from my father. All he told me is this, get off your ass if you plan to be rich. So basically, you're just from the jump in this place where everybody's desire is to um, be rich and do whatever they got to do. And everybody's kind of already involved in this maybe negative lifestyle, we can say. And again, it's all because of the environment, right, that they're in. And so this is what you grew up seeing, you know, and it just paints this picture. And now, you know, your dad's not there. So I got to try to remember these rules. And, you know, we're all outlaws. We're trying to figure out stuff on our own. And, you know, dear Lord, though, let me die tonight. I got words from my comrades. Listen and learn it. Nothing free. Get back what you earn. So you get this whole sense where, like, the prayer to God is just to stay alive, to try to make it through or whatever. Right. And like because the environment is just so awful. Then in the second verse, we take a little bit more. Also, I really like the hook part, the the, the part where Prince Atal Joe shows up again. He's freaking brilliant. He really compliments Tupac mm-hmm. well. Um, and then, you know, I like how he looks at heaven. Like, we're probably in hell already. Our dumb ass is not knowing. Everybody kissing ass to go to heaven ain't going. So it's just the idea, like, everyone who in this more superficial sense, because you must look around and see all these people who are trying to impress God and trying to do whatever they can to get into he- to heaven. You know, like... I don't know. It just it just felt really strong. Like he starts really questioning stuff. Uh, pull my soul. I'm fighting devil daily. Uh, post the media. Be crucifying brother severely. Tell me I ain't God's son. Mama a virgin. We got evicted. Had to leave the burbs back in the ghetto doing wild shit. So it's almost like, you know, 
the world we're in is such a hell and everyone's trying so hard to impress some shit it's kind of fucked and it just really plays up on that and it continues down and he's starting to think about stuff people are getting shot you know come back coming back resurrected it's just that raw shit check it you know so in your world when people are actually dying when you're seeing all this stuff actually going down you know you start questioning a lot of stuff differently and then it flows into the third verse where the preacher want me buried why because they know you're a liar have you ever seen a crackhead that's eternal fire that's a powerful fucking line i don't yep. care what anyone says just the addiction cycle that's what hell is that's an eternal fire yeah um and then just the part where he's like should we cry if they cry will we buried malcolm x mama tell me am i wrong is god just another cop waiting to beat my ass if i don't go pop or just the part where it's like people aren't gonna fix it they're never gonna feed us all it's just it's just like at the end of the day calling bullshit on how this good christian mindset that is like kind of there in the background and all of this is like what are they actually going to do what are they actually going to do to fix it what are they actually going to do to maybe get away with it and it's just i just was left with this sense of what is god what is religion in a place where it's all hell other than just another set of rules and shit and it really i felt is like Pac's aggression there and to me it was just so beautifully articulated and put in a way where it got me thinking a lot I thought this was a really great track and really interesting as far as subject matter goes like something really fresh on this project where it took away from I mean it's still in the main narrative of of like where he's been tapped into so it fits it where like the environment is bad life is complicated etc but here we have like the direct assault on like the way religion is portrayed and how it Faces each for I don't know, you all heard it I thought it was pretty done but what, brilliant but what do you think um, yeah I mean I mean I just thought that like this one made sense in, in terms of like um, like the you know the theme of the album you know looking at the cover um, you know which some pe people might consider blasphemous in itself um, you know even though it's you know not meant to offend um, also the words blast for me. Um, sound kind of like mm. similar in like that sense, which you know inevitably would happen, unfortunately. Um, and uh, I don't know. There's a nice beat on this one. I thought it was like really cool. Um, it was definitely given, uh, you know, or what, what he's talking about. It was, it was was given a lot of useful advice that he should have listened to, um, but like it wasn't necessarily like what they could have done. Um, I agree with you. I really liked uh, Prince Atal Joe on the hook. I thought it was. Uh, you know, really great. And I thought it definitely like worked with um, Tupac's sound. Um, and I think it's more of like a song about, uh, you know, just like this biblical, like not biblical figure, but like this, like this power that the church has over them and like the being a, a person who's, you know, maybe he wants to be somebody that people write about and like, like him being the biblical figure a little bit. Um, and also sort of like the overall hardships that, uh, you know, he and like, you know, his community have had to deal with and, you know, but sort of like the, the good things that happened to them, you know, maybe afterwards and, um, you know, just sort of like, you know, his heart is pure and he wants to get into heaven. And so he, I think he's also kind of having that like religious struggle. It's like he wants to, he almost like wants to believe but like he knows it's kind of like useless like I don't know like I think it's it, he's having like some struggles with that um, and like I think he's also trying to live by like his father's words and I think that he's trying to do him right and like you know help him and also like father in like this sense could also be like a little bit more in terms of like the father in church so you know like a spiritual leader in that sense um, so like for me like 
I don't know. I thought it was cool. And I thought that, like, maybe, like, the father um, could be both in, in, like, the sense that he's talking about, that his father was his spiritual father and, like, guided him Mm. and, you know, helped him out a lot. Um, so, I mean, it's it, it's definitely, like, it's a good one um, about, like, the difficulties, you know, that he was facing and, um, you know, that he doesn't necessarily trust religion and church, but he definitely puts um, faith uh, into, like, the wisdom that he's been given and, like, what he's kind of been passed on. And he does have, you know, some pretty powerful parents and you know not powerful but powerful in like that like i guess yeah yeah powerful is a good word so um i'm sure they had a lot of good advice to give uh, and like that was kind of like a cool thought on that so anyways i feel like i'm rambling so i'm gonna give this one a 4.35 on five it's all right next up we do have life of the outlaw so what do you think of the track life of an outlaw um so people don't listen to him or, or they don't listen to intelligent advice, I guess. And um, so people like who are in like the game or drug dealing or whatever get caught for doing stupid shit. And he's just kind of like, you know, saying like this is kind of the life, unfortunately. Like, you know, this is like he knows how to live the life of an outlaw. He knows how to be an outlaw and like his crew is the outlaws, right? So, um, and so he's also talking about the fact that like him and his crew are um carrying guns and they're tough and they fight hard and they will come at you and like they will defend themselves um so it's just like that kind of like we're tough guys kind of song um for me like the the beat was fine um like he has the outlaws on this one um you know same sort of thing some are better than others um and they are all kind of living hard uh thug lives and this is like you know the song for the tough guys i guess so for me like eh, this one was fine um maybe not like the best message but it was his reality and you know which i suppose is why like like you know if i don't know like why so many people were like against rap um and people being rappers is like just the unfortunate reality that was painted in his songs but it's his reality and like it's not like rappers are going to become drug you know dealers or whatever it's the fact that the drug dealers are becoming rappers and i think like like that's they're just trying to like do anything to get out of the situation that they're in i think that's just kind of what it is so um i give this one a 4.1 on five I definitely think this track falls back onto that aggressive uh the world's coming at us and mm-hmm. we are just lashing back you know like there's a a rage attached to this track and i love it i think tupac dances on this beat with this fast upbeat punchy kind of flow where it's just maybe not punchy but he just hits it really erratically and the rhythm structure is just put together where it's like it's just fresh like you you're halfway through the album and it feels like a fresh flow that we just haven't heard anything of the likes on this project so far. Mm-hmm. And I think that's also part of it. Um, it's just, you know, if the victims can't stand the heat, then stay the fuck out the kitchen. Have these butcher, buster switching, looking at me itching. And I guess it's like, you know, don't compete if you're not able to deal with the game or the consequences of the rules. And yep. this is just a consistent theme in like every genre of life. This isn't even limited to like hip hop or the worst circumstances out there. 
whenever field you're in the second you start doing well people are going to look at you with a different eye people who maybe aren't willing to put in the because you know tupac put in work guy gets out of jail runs straight to the studio and records an album in two weeks yep that's putting in work right like we're not talking about an average human i don't put in the level of work in my life that a guy like tupac put in and it shows in the results that i have in my life you know so it sounds like not only does he put in the work but he lives in the honorable way and he just does all the things whereas other people try to cut corners and other people do stuff so i heard this and i felt like he looks around at the people trying to do things wrong and they basically fuck up the game you know and then as a result of other people fucking up the game it's almost like people flip that around back on tupac and his people because of stereotypes of people who don't fully understand the situation like i don't know i just thought it was fascinating um I, I, I don't know so I'm gonna keep going I like the way he starts off in the second verse and it's just like fucking insanity like code 3 attack formation pull out your pistols keep an eye out for the devils cause they itching to get you which is a dope line cause devils could be like the honkies the white folk out yep. there who are um, I wonder if honkies is one of those words that'll get you banned on twitch um but it's uh basically the white folk out there who are laying out their traps to kind of you know manipulate the situation but also just the people who are less honorable in your midst the snakes and all of that so it's freaking great you know merciless madman screaming kamikaze and tongue automatic gunfire making all my enemies run and just the way he fucking spits that it's just so powerful like you just feel like his lyrics are like this automatic spray of bullets firing out rage and aggression at everybody and through his poetry he does live up and embody everything he puts down on this so whether or not it's literal guns or metaphorical lyrical bullets we're in this situation where tupac is here just laying it all out and then the outlaws come in and it's cool uh young noble's fine he, i feel like they, they they sounded better on this one like everybody really sounded a lot stronger on this track and i have to give ex, uh extra credit to castro who i think just sounded fire i think castro came through with his flow it isn't necessarily his buyers but his flow was like pristine and fucking excellent um again though when it comes down to the poetic beauty of the language that comes through not all of the, the outlaws are at that level i like napoleon's verse uh now they all say that vultures and parasite snakes are all alike thug with life break night mm -hmm. i thought that was cool because it's little like looking at just the different threats in your environment and you're just kind of adding it in but at the same time none of that's all that original right it's not like to the same level of beauty like just just like again listen to how Pac puts this code three attack formation pull out your pistols keep an eye out for the devils because they're itching to get you merciless madman screaming come like that's just like a brilliant array of language put together where like nobody else is writing poetry like this yeah. in the same way that it's being well done. you can tell he's an intelligent guy like he knows he's well read he knows what's up he you know no shakespeare and stuff like that like you know yeah i don't know that's kind of where i'm at with this one so the beats all right it's not one of my favorites it's just well done so i'm left again with this point where had it just been Pac, it would have been next level but then it also probably the title would have been less less apt because obviously it's featuring outlaws mm -hmm. anyway let's talk about a strange ass sex song in my opinion just like daddy this has the most creepy uh predatory first verse of anything i was expecting to hear on this album i actually got caught really off guard and i'm like this is gonna be one of those rants where somebody's gonna be like you talk too much and got caught up on it but edi means verse is whack 
I so this is obviously like the sex song and you know it's meant to be for the ladies and you know I'll do you just like daddy because yeah listen some people the the call me daddy thing is hot some people the call me daddy thing is not hot it's not really my place to comment on that fetish because whatever I'm okay with it I'm getting old enough that it's sexy as fuck that's all I'm trying to say uh but let's look at this verse and we're actually going to take some time to look at the language I met her when she was younger I'm like oh that's a weird real daddy died when she was younger oh that's not a good start right fair enough so he met this girl who was younger not specified age but younger her mom's let her do what she pleased and no one loved her this kind of sounded like a teenager her eyes shined to love the diving in the rough the kind that you could love not yet touch i'm like that really sounds like a very underage girl yeah that he's like a eyeball- young teenager like he's eyeballing her with so much potential youngster let me guide your mental Ooh, this just kind of sounds like... It makes me think like 12, 13. Like, isn't this literally what grooming is? <laughs> um, youngster, um, to a place with a sourness of pain you'll never taste. By God's grace, he was born with that face. Nothing but pure beauty. So for an eternity, I feel like it's my duty. Anyway, the rest of the verse isn't so bad, I guess, in the context of what he's saying. It's just that he's saying all of these things to a young girl. I'm going to go with, like, under the age of 16 or maybe under the age of 18. And he's basically saying, listen, when you're old enough, call me daddy. And that, I don't know how But, like, also is. knowing that, like, she doesn't have a daddy. And so, like, he's kind of, like, preying on that a little bit. That's what I'm like, saying. This sounds yeah. like grooming. Yeah. It is literally one of the weirdest and creepiest verses I have actually come across since we've done this this thing. Because... Yo, this is sincere, and this is part of, like, a classic album, mm-hmm. right? Like, this is that, like, is this a cool cultural norm? And this is very influential, so there's also that. It's not, like, the rest of the verses are fine. Pox versus dope, ride or die girl, I went to jail, she stayed with me, you know, Bonnie and Clyde type shit, she hardcore, blah, 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 all good. Mm-hmm. When I'm dirt broke and fucked up, you still love me. Yes. Like, he's clearly talking to an adult woman, which is fine, <laughs> and I'm like okay with that. Um, and then, because then when you, when you think about the fact that I'll oh, do you just like daddy, and like we're talking about that that first verse, would you just laugh with the impression of dudes going after an underage girl? It's like I can't get that out of my head the rest of the song. And I wonder if like people back in like '96 were like, "Yo, that's hard," like that's just a hard pop song or whatever. Like I don't know what the reactions were, but like, is everyone is that normal to people? That, and y'all watching this, whether it's on the Twitch and the live right now, or whether it's on the YouTube after, this is one where I sincerely don't know. But my 2020 vision is going, that's some whack sauce. Um, Yaki Gaddafi's fine. I don't think he has anything else there. It's just the normal sweet verse. It's just fine, you know? Like, And the rest of them, and Young Nobles is too. Like, I'm going to be there for you. I'm going to help you. I'm going to have sex with you and make it all lovely. Oh, isn't that nice? He's going to have sex with you? Aww. All of that is totally fine. For me, the part that I had trouble with was that first verse, and I don't know that I can get past it. I don't know. It was really hard for me too. But, like, yo, Pox versus a game. It has that how do you want it kind of energy. Mm-hmm. Everything's proper with it. But, ah, it was just, I don't know. I give it a four. Because I don't know if it's just me looking back with my eyes at today or whatnot. The rest, of, in theory, the rest of the song is fine. I'm not the target for this. They're not trying to seduce me with this track. This was absolutely for the ladies. On top of all of that, um, but I don't know. As a lady, the young ladies. <laughs> how do you feel about this one? 
Uh, like this one is just, you know, it's smoother, it's calmer. Um, I don't know. It is what it is. Uh, you know, I think he's also trying to like listen to like the, you know, the things that his father again taught him and like, you know, trying to like be like a respectful and like make him proud. And, um, you know, Pac's also kind of like talking about like, you know, that he's thankful that he has his lady, I guess. Um, and like, you know, wants to do her proud and thanks her for like dealing with him. Um, like that's kind of what I took from this. Um, I don't know. I mean, I found like the topic a little like, like disconnected on some verses, um, like kind of like what you were saying, <laughs> but, um, I liked Pox flow. Um, I thought his voice was nice on this one. I gave this one a 4.215. Yeah. I don't know. I think the outro is kind of long. Yeah. It's kind of what it is. A lot of his songs are around like the five minute mark. So they're a little bit longer than but some other. Rappers. I don't think they were long for the era. If we want to just touch on that for a second, because this is something I noticed straight away. I'm like, because currently we're in the era of kill the third verse. All songs are like three and a half or less minutes now, two verse experiences. Mm -hmm. And I think in this time, right, like people weren't able to just whip out music quick, right? Like your album is probably finished and there's six months goes by before it's even coming out just to deal with the pressings and all of the things like that. So right. with the fact that you might not have another album coming out for at least a year, having 12 five-minute songs to kind of sink your teeth into feels like a very appropriate thing. Feels like in the landscape of music consumption, putting an album in your car, all of these different things. Like it just feels different than our spoiled ass uh, Spotify <laughs> era, could be, could be. where everything's so curated differently, and we have no attention spans anymore. And I, 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 I think about that kind of stuff a lot because yep. personally, a good five-minute song is brilliant. And in a lot of cases these days, there's a lot of great tracks that are just like three minutes and I you're like, come on, give me that last verse. And it just, it never comes. And we but just like, I think on. that there's in like that sense, there's both ways. Like, you know, sometimes you want it to be longer. Like you're like, just give me one more verse. And then sometimes like if a song feels long, then it's too long. That's fair. There is 1980s uh, six minute hip hop cuts with like one minute break beats. And like, you can have a six minute song or whatever. And like, that's fine. But like, if I don't notice that it's six minutes, then mm. you've done your job. Like, it needs to be great. Like, it makes me be like, wow, that was something to listen to. Like, I, I do admit, sometimes the, for, for me, a lot of times I feel like they do the stretching is in the outro, where like the song should have ended at four minutes and then there's like 45 seconds of Ed Show. Yeah. And again, all y'all watching can always let us know what you think about any of this, but I think we can move on into the next track on this project, yeah. which is called Crazy with a K. Alright, so what do you think of the track Crazy? So for a song called Crazy, it's pretty tame. <laughs> um, it's definitely slow and has like a, a nice flow to it. Um, and just kind of talking about how life can be crazy. Um, you know, he gives his thanks to his mother. And like the chorus is like super catchy in like a really slow way. There's something about like the... I don't know, like, I can't, I can't do it. But, like, the, there's something that in the beat, like, that's happening on the chorus. And, like, it all just, like, comes together so nicely. Um, and, like, so, like, I think that's really great. Um, we've got Badass, or Bad Oz, because it's yeah. Bad A-Z-Z. -Z, um, talking about sort of, like, the drug epidemic. And that he's kind of, like, seeing just, like, what's going on and, like, how many people are addicted. Well, it's and money he's talking about. He parable because money's like oh. a, a strong prescription drug. It's got me addicted. 
to the pleasure and panic. Oh, so money is the he's thing. talking about money. Okay. I mean, something about the paper with uh, pictures of the president's heads, money. Mm. Damn, it's like a motherfucking plague that spread. I so suppose, yeah. It's the lust for money, the root of all evil, spreading throughout the community, yep. putting a plague because a lot of the desires for money is making people go crazy. But I think a lot of the reason, okay, like, why some people were, you know, wanted to have more money was, yeah, to get away from, like, the, the bad environment that they were in. But I think a lot of them, I don't know, maybe might have been using it to just get drugs, right? Like, you know, they needed that. So I think it's kind of, like, maybe both. I don't know. But like, I feel like his verse his, Okay, if you're saying it's about money, then that makes more sense. I might have missed that. And how money is, like, an epidemic. And you know what? There's probably drug dealing related to yeah. how people end up in jail in their quest for making money. Yeah. But... Nah, his verse to me is just straight up like life is okay. complicated and money possesses us. Um, and I agree. I mean, like it is what was kind of like going on. His last line, though, a million things run through my mind. You ain't got to be in jail to be doing time. Yo, that's proper. I have to argue that of all the features on this album, Badass is the only rapper to stand and up it, next to Pac and actually like sound proper next to Pac. And I think I, I read quickly somewhere, I don't even know where I read it, um, that it wasn't even supposed to be Badass that was on this one. It was supposed to be this guy Crazy um, that was supposed to be and he just like wasn't there and so they just, he was like, ah, screw it, whatever, like Badass is here, let's just do it with him. And like it just kind of became like a really great song and um, like I think at first it was kind of lackluster um, and then I think, uh, I'm guessing Suge made it, uh, you know, did his magic and made it like what it is now. So I think it was really great. Um, just, I think he just kind of like, yeah, talking about how messed up life is and how, I mean, I thought it was drugs, but different, you know, how money, um, can drive you crazy and kind of like be like this, like unattainable thing that you just can't get enough of. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's sort of like this, like, struggle and sad life kind of song, but has, like, a good message in it, and, like, it just has, like, a really great, like, hook in it. So I give this one a 4.6 on 5. What I well, So what I had read is that uh, none mm -hmm. of the outlaws were ready with their verses, so Badass had a verse ready, and so Pac just brought him in and said, you're mm -hmm. on the track now. And I like that. Pac is, like, step up or get the fuck out and I kind of like that ethic because so many times in life we lower the barrier of success to allow more people to have access rather than expect people to catch up and achieve and I don't know I feel like if you're going to be on a Tupac song you better be willing to work as fast as the man expects you to work um, but this one seems to be like Pac is in jail is the kind of tone I took from his verses like okay. last year was a hard one life goes on I hold my head against the wall learning right from wrong Etc. Um, but if you look at it, like, uh, you know, I came a long way, but I still got so far to go because he's looking, uh, dear mama, uh, don't worry. I'm a watch for snakes. Tell Setra that I love her, but it's hard today. I got the letter that she sent me and I cried for weeks. That's what yeah. came out when I tried to speak. So you just, I just picture him kind of like sitting there remembering times when he was free or even if it's like after the fact he's out and he's thinking back on being in jail at that well, I time. I think he's also appreciating like his freedom. But it has like that like sorrow in it, you know? And then time goes by, puffing on la, hoping that it gets, it's just got like this cool, calm, like pensive tone. And then it's just like, as the world passes you and the crazy variables hit you, you're just going crazy. So all you can do is smoke that blunt and do what you can do to try to yep. maintain a semblance of normally, normalcy. And then I feel like the second verse kind of takes it a bit bigger and looks at the hood and the more people, you know, just looking at the environment 
and you know looking at the, the mothers losing their sons and, and situations like that sorry if I'm getting it a little bit off but um, I really enjoyed that or maybe it's about him and he's still apologizing to his mother I may have got that a little bit mixed up still he wants to do better he wants to see good and then when you have that third verse from badass which ties it all back in with the money situation I thought that was really good too I thought that really just kind of added some context to kind of how people end up in these situations where they end up in jail and I thought it was a really complete song I thought it was really strong I thought it was really interesting that he says three-day theory Illuminati to your body and so you get the sense that at that point at least I guess they thought it was gonna be done in three days it took a little longer right um, but I like the way this one has that longer outro this one it sounds really nice the way you just kind of one time for my in the jail so I just we're gonna repeats it out there and shouts out stuff and I just feel like you know what the way he's giving love like that it, it just completes the track in a really nice way that's all I gotta say about that one and I guess then uh, we can move on to another fascinating track called white man's world what do you think about this one um, so this one is still pretty relevant. Um, this one is called White Man's World. Um, and he's kind of talking about uh, what it is, right? So he starts off and he's saying, like, you know, use your head instead of your fist because that's kind of like what, like, the black man wants in order to keep you down. Um, if you're violent, if you attack back, if you, you know, in, like, a, a bad way, if you or whatever, like white guys will like shut you down lock you up do whatever they have to do just to get rid of you because they are just waiting for anything just to get rid of you and um so that's just kind of what it what it's about right um and the first verse is uh for his sister and i think he's also talking about his like fellow like black sisters um and like you know he's sorry for hurting her and um you know for hurting any anybody that you know any like lady that he has hurt uh, in his life um and he's just kind of saying like you know like be proud to be black you know be you know walk tall like you know like you know he's was also talking about like you know being those that have less than others like why are they poor why do um you know why is he poor he's kind of like reflecting back on his life and you know when he was a kid he was like well why don't i have the, you know the same things other people have and you know why do people call me this word this you know the n-word and you know like he doesn't understand you know and just like why you know do people hate him just because of who he is a black man and just because of his color and what he looks like and things like that and so you know these are all really important questions that um you know unfortunately like people are still asking themselves and you know for children you know to like ask these types of questions it's pretty like eye-opening and you're like whoa like that's kind of like wild that that's something that is a reality you know and like that kind of like when that starts like what age does that start where people you know stop treating you as a cute little kid and treating you like a criminal like you know like it's like a sort of like puberty it's like oh now you're you're, you're just going to be a criminal now and like it's just kind of like that kind of mentality um and you know it definitely sounds like he he was talking about like his time in in jail and kind of like that he reflected a lot and he grew and um you know he definitely spent a lot of time sort of with himself and dealing with himself and kind of probably thinking about things that he was using you know drugs or distractions or whatever to, to keep him from thinking about these types of things. So when you're stuck there and you sit there, then you're going to think about these types of things. 
Um, and then like, you know, some of the lines, like, every woman in America, especially black, bear, bear with me, can't you see that we under attack? I never meant to cause drama to my sister and my mama. I hope we make the, make it to better times in this white man's world. So, um, you know, just dealing with like the issues and the racism that they were all facing and just kind of like that, you know, they are under attack essentially. And, you know, again, same sort of thing that we're still unfortunately seeing today. And hopefully, you know, the Black Lives Movement uh, will, you know, Black, or the Black Lives Matter movement will, um, uh, help make a difference and will really like have an impact on things so it's interesting to see that you know this is an ongoing thing that this just has been going on since white people brought black people to this land I suppose um, and probably before but uh, anyways and it's interesting there's like Minister Farrakhan's like kind of speeches mixed in at the end um, anyways it's a super strong message and um, it's pretty powerful and like it's just sort of like him reflecting on himself and his community and kind of what's all going on. So I give this one a 4.6 on 5. Yeah, I think um, this track is very strong and very powerful. Mm -hmm. um, it hits on a lot of the systemic issues, but it feels almost like an apology to black women mm -hmm. for the pain like that they behavior. have to go through because, but not just his behavior, but I feel like him and black men in general, That's fair. like an apology yeah. to everyone, like we act this way in this white man's world, it causes you this pain, but you are suffering like almost twice as bad as like I'm suffering was kind of mm -hmm. the tone I took from it, which I thought was really like strong. Like that's just how he starts it. And it also starts with um, a quote from the Malcolm X movie you go busting your fist against a stone wall you're not using your brain that's what the white man wants you to do look at you what makes you ashamed of being black and that's an interesting like quote right yeah. because it does uh, touch on the fact that there does appear to be if you look for it uh, a very constant effort from white powerful forces to keep black men fighting each other and um even if i look at it anecdotally I see it in my Facebooks and my, my timelines. People love to quote statistics like, yeah, but black on black crime. Like, like it's almost cool to bring up that stuff. So we can see like the way that some of my white brethren will go out there and point to that stuff as a quick way to invalidate other people's stuff. It's just like, you know, the semblance, like this is the trickle down effect of all of this just in real life in 2020 still happening today, which I do think adds on to it. And the more I've learned about I guess the Jim Crows and all the different things that tie into it. This song kind of has that extra level of resonation. But what I find fascinating is just the tone he takes on it, like being pensive, almost apologetic to it. Like that first verse really just smacks like apologies to my true sisters. Far from bitches. Help me raise my black nation. Reparations are due is true. Um, and if you look at that, like you have him who's called women bitches, but also how everybody in the women just deserve to be lifted up by all of society but on top of that there's still the black folk that deserve some level of reparations and to be lifted up just from the the government level of system and all of that mm. i just think it's deep it hits on all these different levels um and then as the song progresses and we start looking at the death in the streets and the different emotional complexes how we somebody took that person's life that he's describing you know as a person who got shot to death and they're passing that casket somebody like took that life somebody else had to walk, go through all this but at the end of the day, it's alluded to this is the result of black men killing each other, and this is problematic, you know? Yep. Uh, 
and then in that last verse you know how, uh why you tell so tell me why you cho ch change to a choose a new direction in the blink of an eye my time away just made perfection did you think i'd die not gonna cry why should i care like we holding on to lost love that's no longer there can you please help me and it's just interesting like if you're like now he's talking to god like he's turned his head up and he's almost praying like why'd you abandon me or maybe he's looking at the world and you know they thought he was going to go away this is dealing with the complexes of being shot of going to jail of being feeling abandoned and, and all of that down to him just crying out god bless me please keep my seeds healthy making all my enemies bleed while my g's wealthy it's just like man the confused emotional state that must have been going on inside of tupac's mind is something that's just truly powerful but well, you have to imagine he was in jail and you know which, a, you know like everything that was going on and you know when he was in jail he probably looked around and was like okay well what's the majority of people look like that's in jail with me and why are they in jail and what happened and you know everything else so and then you just like you have this little chorus who knows what tomorrow brings in this world where everyone's blind and where to go no matter how far i'll find to let you know that you're not alone so you also feel that universality again in this like he's not just he's using his story and his experiences mm -hmm. and his anxieties to re relay this bigger sense of what his community is going through and i think he does that super effectively here i'm gonna give this one a 4.5 because i enjoyed it it's not to the same level of sonic enjoyment as the five on five ones but it's really well um i, I could tell that was uh M minister louis farrakhan just by listening i've reached the point where yeah. especially after the buster rhymes album his voice is fresh on my mind but mm -hmm. carino also likes him and a lot of people listen to it's funny is a lot of people i know will fucking hate on minister farrakhan but big ups a bunch of rappers who are inspired by him <laughs> and that's something i find really interesting yeah um, anyway, the next track is a clever, clever one. It's called Me and My Girlfriend. Um, so this track is very clever in the sense that it's a bit of a little dissy poo. Um, more of a, a sneaky dissy poo than a more direct one, but that's all right. Tupac, and this is alleged. This is what I saw on the internet after the fact. But uh, Me and My Girlfriend is the name of a certain Biggie track. So, you know, taking the Biggie song and redoing it. But also... He heard that Nas did a song from the perception of a gun, so he came and did his own track mm -hmm. from the perception of a gun. Yep. And I'm like, yo, Pac is petty. But it's not like a bad petty. It's like a very humanistic petty, like in the sense of like a great competitor. Like, oh, you think you're the best? I'll show you what the best is. And then he one, ones up to you kind of thing. Now, I don't know that this is better than I gave you power. They're very different tracks in my opinion. But it's hard to actually say which one is a better song than me. They're both really freaking brilliant. Uh, but what do you think of this track? Um, yeah, I mean, it is sort of like what it is. It's like the, the girlfriend in the song refers to his gun and how she is his um, ride or die and like always by his side and like, you know, like on his hip maybe or whatever. And, um, and then she gets mad and like shoots and like wants to kill so it's sort of like the gun has is like personified and has like the same intentions as Pac and like they're both kind of like like yeah die 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 and like in terms of like what he's thinking and like what the gun is thinking are the same thing um and like the end of like verse two I found was kind of interesting so it says like picked you up when I was nine so that's, that's kind of wild to like you know first hold picked a gun picked you up when you was nine 
Oh, when you oh when you was nine, okay. Because you was a nine. A nine, yep. Um, and started out my life of crime with you. Bought some shells when you turned twenty-two. So you know, a two twenty-two. Um, well, it's because a nine and a twenty-two are, are both, both guns, bullet yes. calibers. Yeah. Um, and you know, it's true. Nothing compares to the satisfaction that I feel when we out mashing me and my girlfriend. So it's like that shooting guns gives him pleasure, um, and all he needs in life in life is his girlfriend aka his gun and um like on like verse four i'm like it's sort of like a uh whoa line um like uh, i love finger fucking oh, you so good. all of a sudden i'm hearing thunder so i mean it, it's no, no. it kind of comes across you bust like the nut people be ducking or taking numbers yeah so it kind of comes across like a little bit like wild or whatever but like it makes sense in terms of like the fact that he is you know pulling the trigger um and going boom like thunder so he's you know like you know look what you were saying like people are like ducking and hiding and like because they don't want to get shot um so it definitely sounds like really like or like he sounds like very like deep and like kind of gruff on this one i found um but like it's a good one. It is. It did feel a little bit long. It's again, you know, five minutes, eight seconds. But like the story kind of worked as well. Um, yeah, I mean, it's it has a really good flow and beat. But like you have to like really like kind of pay attention more to like the words and like what he's saying and like what it means um, to get it. So, but I like it. I gave this one a four point five on five. I thought this song was brilliant. I mean, unlike the Nas track where it personifies being the gun, Pac basically wrote a love song to his gun and like every line kind of flows in this double entendre sense where it could be about a girlfriend but it could also be about a gun like our first date couldn't wait to see you naked touch you in every secret place i could hardly wait to bust freely get you red hot you so happy to see me because technically that's kind of how it would be with a gun you want to get it like naked you know get it all you know inspect it carefully look at everything else you want to bust it pull that trigger make it go off and I think it's just clever, like, baby 45, but she's still alive, because, you know, 45 is another caliber type. One shot, make a heartbeat stop, and that's clever, right? Because that's what, like, you would typically say about, like, a girl, like, one shot of that girl. Ah, it's so intense. She's such, like, a drug, but in this case, it's a bullet coming to get you. Um, I liked when he's, like, young Pac in verse 3. He's like, I was too immature to understand your ways. Inexperienced back in the days caused so many arguments and strays. And that would be like, you know, young people not understanding how to behave appropriately with the firearm and the kind of reckless damage, stray bullets, shit like that. But also just, I used to fuck other chicks. Like, it's just so well done, okay? Everything about this track is just perfect, in my opinion, as far as, like, making a beautiful double entendre song. It's something like, there's not, I think, that many songs that go line for line like this, like, like Eminem's Darkness is a recent example of a track that line for line plays that mm-hmm. double entendreness. Like, and how many people can pull that off? I couldn't do something that clever. That's some really, really smart shit, right? That um, I really liked it. Um, I gave it a five on five. I think it's yeah. beautiful. I think the the outro, like the Lost in the Welfare in '96, Bonnie and Clyde, me and my girlfriend doing '85 when we ride, trapped in this world. You know, like it's just it's just got like this whole energy to it. It's just like anthemic. I love the way Pac will just change his voice up and have multiple flows, multiple voices. Like again, flexing that charismatic dr- drama skill that he brings to the table. Um, this sounds brilliant. Also, I think it's worth just taking a little look at the the song order a little bit, right? Because you have crazy, 
which is kind of looking at the world of all the crazy environments and all the shit that's bad that's happening right and then that flows into white man's world so you have crazy which shows the awful shit that's going on white man's world that starts to justify how you end up in this crazy environment due to systemic oppression and shit you know and then it falls into me and my girlfriend so you're kind of stuck with the only person you can trust being your gun which after this whole album which is showing that he doesn't trust people he doesn't have great relationships like everything's so fucking complicated so many people are trying to turn on him it just feels like adds that extra layer that the only person pot can trust is his gun mm -hmm. in this world that he's in you know i felt like it was one of the best tracks on this album honestly uh, yeah it might be my favorite track on this album straight up mm. anyway two more for us to still talk about and i do think that the next one follows up in terms of that placement because after that after you're walking around with your gun after all the complicated situations in the world you need to hold your head so yeah this is the track i was talking about where producer hurt and bad who i think has the best production on this project i forgot to mention that the me and my girlfriend production which also has hurt and bad involved in it and i'm gonna say all the ones that had hurt and bad i think stand out it's very instrumenty uh, the last one had a lot of guitar this one has cool it's like a violin or some other kind of weird sounding not weird but like kind of stringy instrument like that in it and i like the use of strings i like the bass i think the production in the last few songs has felt really alive and the ones that i find like like in the beginning it moved in like it had a lot of eerie and aggressive sounds and we've kind of moved into a more instrument driven almost symphonic experience in the last couple not maybe not symphonic but fuller bigger uh kind of really instrument driven yep. instrumentals i would say and that's what i meant by symphonic i know that i know that there was symphonic is a very specific thing okay um but what do you think about this song um i mean this one for me like it's definitely um clear for me like that it's like a sort of like for the guys in prison and starts off like that and like you kind of hear like maybe like a correction officer um you know shouting out people and like their numbers and you know you can hear like Rutgers Island and like different jails being mentioned and um kind of like the doors closing to the cells or whatever um and sort of just like sending like an overall message just to like to keep your head up stay strong and this is specifically about black men that keep getting killed and keep getting locked up and you know just kind of about that being the issue and again sort of touching on like white man's world and kind of like the struggle of being a black man and like just having that target on your back for you know whether or not you've murdered someone or you did nothing um so it's you know it, it's all it's all put on all black men like it's just kind of like this wild thing that was happening at, was and sometimes still is so um and it definitely feels like life in a prison cell is almost like a destiny like it's pre-written like it's gonna happen for a lot of black men no matter what they do no matter what they try to do to like evade it um and like he's just kind of hopeful uh that he wants like the next generation and then future generations to grow up without this kind of fear um and just kind of like that things need to change and you know never give up and like it has to get better than this like it's always it can't get worse than this like you know we have to do better so um i really like this message i think that it really is like sympathetic empathetic uh you know it's something that he's been through and something that he sees as his own reality but also he realizes that this is happening 
around the world, across the country, across the city, like everywhere it's happening. And uh, there's, you know, there's this sort of like hate that's just kind of given to them, like, you know, when they're born. And it's, you know, just sort of like it sucks. And like, you know, like so like I said, so he's sort of more like empathetic for like the people who are in jail and like who in, in prison and how badly it sucks and, you know, how you want to give up and how it almost seems like, you know, if you're given you know a, a crazy long sentence or a life sentence for something that you know maybe you know a white guy maybe wouldn't have got the same length uh you know it's it's sort of like it does kind of suck and like I can't even imagine what that feels like and like, wanting to give up on life and like all of that kind of all of those types of thoughts and uh so I think he's just trying to give them hope and that you know that things were going to get better and sort of I can imagine that this is a really powerful song for a lot of people in the system or people who have been in the system or you know just something that you know people are struggling with and you know he is touching I think like a on like a huge thing that I think a lot of people weren't necessarily like well I suppose at the time people were saying it but like I think that it just a, another reminder that this is a reality for a lot of people so yeah I mean I thought it was really powerful I gave this one a 4.75 I like this one too. Mm -hmm. um, like I said, I mean, following the last few tracks, it almost is like, it, it's like with the inevitability, you're almost forced to carry your gun. You're almost forced to be in this environment mm -hmm. where things are complicated. And then jail is a reality with it. And this does feel like a bit of a commentary on jail. Yeah. Like a, a shout out to the people that are out there to keep their head up. Um, and then again, that first verse kind of contextualizes the environment again, you know? Uh, I just I really like how it starts. I wake up early in the morning. Mind state so military. Like just I wake up ready for war because this is the world I'm in. Like I'm ready to go from the second my eyes open, you know. And I wake up early, and that's interesting too because a lot of people don't like waking up early, especially in the artist world. But uh, I think also like that could be like a thing going back to his time in jail. You don't. I mean, people don't get to sleep in. Mm -hmm. You know, like they're waking you up. They're banging on the on the bars. They're doing all that crazy shit at the crack of dawn, and you have to get to you know. Like there, there's like you know sort of like a, a pecking order it's like you have to get <coughs> to the shower before you know certain other people or you have to get to like the cafeteria before other people and like only certain things can be done you know like right so anyways that's just kind of what i was thinking and then suckers fantasizing pictures of a young brother buried wasn't me the weed or this life i lead um and i like that because it's like people wishing death on him but at the same or in, on his people but at the same time is it because of him is it because he's high is it like you know is he paranoid is it because he's high he's in these environments like there's like you know he gets you questioning shit and again you know i like how i like when he's like tonight we honor the dead those who won't be back so if i die do the same for me shed no tears and outlaw thug living in this game for years you know like why worry hope to god get me high when i'm buried you know like that's an interesting line right because mm -hmm. getting him high in that context would be like going to heaven you know, it's just, it's cool the way he paints it. Yeah. So it's, again, the stress, you know, get your cash, stay strong. But then it was the second verse that I thought was super interesting. His findings be like prophecies begging me to stop because these lawyers get money every time they knock us. And that line hit me because something that we don't often think about when discussing the legal system is the impact of courts and lawyers. And, you know, just imagine the criminal lawyer that defends rappers. Now there's going to be honorable ones. What about all the non-honorable ones or the people who go after? So, you know, the, the guy who does have five figures, six figures to pay for a lawyer who then bleeds them or the fact that 
everybody is kind of profiting or so many people profit off of this whole system and like we just don't think a lot of that i also liked when he's like uh switch my knee into machiavelli half the rap game ghost expose foes with my hocus pocus flows they froze now suckers idolize my chosen blows and more money mean litigation more play a hating so that's interesting because it's like he switched everything up I mean, he switched his rap name, whatever. I guess that's saying he, like, changed his identity or his things, and now everybody's kind of treating him different. But it also feels like he changed things up, and now it comes with more white-collar bullshit, like more actual need for lawyers and more other kind of stuff, so whatever that flows through. And I thought that was really cool, the way he did that. And then the third verse, I feel like it kind of just follows through and it kind of reiterates some of the ideas we've already gotten on this. It's still beautifully done. It really completes the track. And I really enjoyed this song. Uh, to me, I'm giving it more of a 4.25. I do think that Mr. Uh, Hurt and Bad uh, does an amazing job with the singing that he does on the chorus. And it was just a stroke of luck, according to him, that Pac asked him if he could just sing on a whim. And it just turned out he could. And I think he really does a beautiful job completing that chorus. But overall, I feel like the sound of the beat and stuff, I had a little bit of trouble getting into it because I feel like it's just surrounded by so many great tracks. Mm -hmm. So I gave it a 4.25, but I do, I do think it's a it's message, it's purpose, it's placement on this album are all pretty spectacular. Yeah. And I guess that leaves us with the last one on this album, which Against is called... The Odds. Against All, all odds. odds. Sorry. All right, so what do you think of this one? Um, So this one is another one um, where he's kind of telling us the truth and calling out uh, Nas for not being truthful in his rap lyrics um, but Tupac is and it's kind of like I don't know like like it's not really cool to be shooting people so I'd rather hear a fake story about someone like being like gangster and shooting people than actually a murderer but I don't know that's just my opinion um, but like this is you know he's kind of calling it out so I don't know uh, what Nas was up to and you know at that time and what he's actually talking about I didn't really look that far into it um, but anyways it's just that sort of thing he's just calling out all these other rappers again the same sort of like uh, beef from the first song and kind of like that's kind of flowed through um, you know calling out other rappers like Puff and Mob Deep and Dre and just you know the same old thing um you know he's obviously pissed off with these guys like they really hurt him bad and they you know they were people that i you know that he did trust and work with and you know thought maybe were his peers or are his peers and you know maybe like did him wrong or did him dirty or whatever um and so yeah that's just kind of what he's talking about and it's just sort of another song about him uh kind of calling out these guys for what they are in his opinion um and I really like the, um, I, I really like his voice on this one. Uh, I just wasn't really like, I don't know. I feel like I've already heard this, but I get that he's like concluding the, not concluding it, but he's, you know, finishing up, rounding up the, the whole album. Um, and I do have to say on this one, the production really stood out. Um, I don't know if this is the same production that's kind of been throughout, but it is nice. It's clear. It's it crisp. Hurt and bad. Yeah, and <clears throat> I don't know. It's really good. Uh, I so I give you know props to the pr producer on this one. Um, so I give this one a four point two on five. I feel like this one just starts off so strong, you know. Uh, Twenty one gun salute, one love, one thug, one nation, you know, and then just the way you just goes from the chorus right into the verse just like you don't even realize the verse is starting but just mm -hmm. you know 21 gun salute dressed in fatigues black jeans and boots i just appeared in the crowd all you seen was troops 
and you're just like, okay, two box busting out onto the scene, you know? And then everyone's looking around, and then he just flips it. This little named Nas think he lived like me, talking about how he left the hospital, took five like me. You live in fantasies, I reject your deposit. And then that's in reference to Nas on the message when he goes, heard shots and drops, son, caught a hot one. Somebody take this biscuit for the cops come. Then they came asking my name. What the fuck? I got stitched up and went through, left the hospital that same night. What? Which is basically what happened to Pac at the Quad Studios. And right. then, okay. you know, at this time, I believe on the second Nas album, people were criticizing him for going gangster with it in that regards mm -hmm. after having not been that. And that was the criticism of It Was Written that I remember seeing that was done at the time. This isn't my criticism. This is me saying what other people said. <laughs> like, there are many people who made fun of Nas for taking on Pablo Escobar as, like, his, like, gangster <laughs> image <laughs> right. person. Like... Not everyone was thrilled with that. Right. And as much as everybody, like the history of Nas, he drops Illmatic, which in 2020 we're all calling a classic, but it didn't necessarily sell that well, so he kind of okay. went more pop and mainstream on the next project, which I guess Pac heard and took away and then ended up writing into this one. And then, uh, you know, we shook Dre punk ass, now he out the closet. Boom, going at Dre telling him that, that he's like fucking gay. Mob Deep, wonder why, blowed him out. Next time, grown folks talking, close your mouth, like don't get involved. And he just runs through, you know, like fucking went at Puffy. Even went at De La Soul, who yeah. mocked Tupac's fucking uh, in their music video. And apparently also attacking Q-Tip, who dissed him on the radio. Mm -hmm. So it's just like all these people there. Then he goes in deep on fucking Haitian Jack, who apparently snitched out some shit and because uh, uh, something happened and then he didn't go to jail. So he's just like, yo, knew he was working for the Fed. Same crime, different trials. Picture what he said. And did I mention, you know, and then he goes on to the next guy. And he just keeps fucking running through. And then in the last verse, you know, he really goes in on Nas. Like, he really goes in. He starts off, Puffy's a little bribe, whatever, whatever, no, whatever. People know about Puffy. But that's like kind of like you know obvious that Pac doesn't like him the Nas thing though caught me off guard because I've never really heard him brought into it. it is the first I ever really heard Nas being brought into this whole east coast west coast thing in my from my yeah. knowledge so it was kind of there but lord listen to me god don't like ugly it was written that's a fantastic line right so god doesn't like ugly shit like it was written and it was written is what you would write to kind of like say in the bible to this is god's right. proclamation so god's proclamation is i don't like ugly shit like it was written the album that's a powerful fucking line right hey yep. naz your whole damn style is bitten you heard my melody this sounds like Rakim. And he kind of does have a bit of a Rakim voice, if you think about it. Okay. And he's also copying Tupac's style. He's saying with the gangster shit. So you heard my melody. And then he does the Rakim thing. Mm. That is some app fucking dissing. It's not even done. The rest of this verse goes at Nas. Read about my life in the papers. All my run-ins with the authorities. Felonious capers. Now you want to live my life. So what's a Chazer Nas that don't rhyme right? Uh, you've seen too many movies. Load him up against the wall. Close his eyes. Since you lie, you die. Goodbye. Let the real hear the truth from me. What would you do if you was me? And it's just like powerful in my opinion. He comes at Nas really hard calling him a studio gangster. Yep. That's basically how this album ends. Yep. This album's last verse is Nas is fake. Then there's a bit of an <laughs> outro. The end. And it's just powerful to me. And Pox, Pox rhyming is again that aggressive style, that like fucking fire coming at you, all guns blazing with the lyrics, the going to war energy is just so clear and so present there i think he kills this track i think it's brilliant i think it's a 4.5 and i really like it and again 
if we want to just kind of move into the album wrap up it's another track that doesn't feature the outlaws and it's another track that slaps it out the park so if we were to kind of summarize the album i think in a lot of ways the concepts that are explored on this album kind of make sense to why people might think Pac did a kill himself kind of seven year theory thing right the world's out to get him there's also a theory at the beginning of i think it's uh i don't remember which song it is i think it's hail mary but one of the tracks on this album that you can hear suge shot me like right at the very beginning of the song if you listen really carefully it's not necessarily confirmed so anyway you have all these lyrics about the whole world's out to get me everyone's trying to clip me everyone's trying to get me uh but he he justifies it like i got clipped i come from this environment literally they shot me literally these guys are now copying my image um the tracks looking at religion the track that looks at the jail situation yeah like the fucking way he apologizes to women as a way to explain like the hood like there's so much on this album that is just conceptually brilliant mixed with Pac's beautiful poetry and the way that he just chooses these magical words to put in the right order to say stuff in a way that like nobody else can he's one of those guys that can just word shit in a way that like nobody else will nobody yeah. else can be that kind of poet there's like generational poet shit you know like I've seen him compared, I think it was MC Lars compares him to Jack Kerouac. And I think that's like mm. apt in the level of power. Because Jack Kerouac fucked up the game of his world where right. he was at. And I think Tupac did a very similar thing in his world. And let's be and real. Left, like, I think they both like, leave like a huge um, like impact on like their world as and well. And they both died really young. Mm-hmm. And they both had a lot of things like that. They were just kind of part of counterculture revolutionary movements. Yeah. It's truly like... Like, that's the level of respect I have to put on Tupac's name. Like, he is... And this is crazy, because you could probably watch me two years ago and be like, I don't fucking get it. No, I get it. Tupac is an incredible just artist. And when you look at what he did as a man, the way he lived and represented himself, like you could maybe, maybe, if you want to be an asshole about it, question some things you don't understand about his lifestyle choices. I don't understand them, so it'd be stupid of me to question them. Yep. But I think that one thing is true. That guy is pure passion in a box, and he put that down on wax, and he put that out on records, and what he could do, the speed he could write this at, the precision in his flow. I don't I don't know what Pac would have been like today, but I know that I would have loved to have heard Pac with today's production. That's what I can say. That's fair, yeah. Because that would be my biggest grievance with the project is that some of the production is I have to be in a mood to listen to it more than not. It isn't. It isn't like that finessed Pro Tools kind of stuff. Like some some of the like some of the productions in some of this era, though, just to go on production, is really great. A lot. Some of this production feels like weak ass Dre, and then some of then everything else that Hurt and Bad did was pretty great. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I mean, I really like this one. I give it. A oh, four- I gave. I don't know. Sorry. Sorry I give the album an even four point five. It oh, just worked point. out like that, and I would definitely call this a classic. It's just. It's just fucking great. There's too many great songs on it. Yeah, um, I mean, I give this a 4.41 on 5, so an 88%. Um, and I think that, you know, there are definitely, like, I mean, there's not really, like, a bad song on here. There's songs that I like less, and there's songs that I like a lot more. Um, so, you know, it's it's a it's a great album. Um, I think it definitely holds uh, an impact, um, you know, if you think about the fact that it came out two months I think after he died and you know what that meant to people like people probably were 
crying when they bought it and like you know like things like that like how much it meant to them mm. and you know you just have to like imagine like that kind of sense and like the anticipation of like being able to listen to it and then and then also probably like the the questioning and like the flabbergastedness of everything uh, you know like is he really dead like is he trying to tell us something is this like what is this message what does this mean this is like immediately you know not immediately but like quick short you know quite soon after he passed away and then all this sort of like conspiracy album comes out and they're like well is he really dead so i'm not surprised that you know there were a lot of people and people didn't want to see him be dead and you know probably so like they were just really hopeful that this was sort of a you know a real conspiracy theory in that sense um and i think it did kind of you know and i do think a lot of like the messaging on here is still relevant so it does kind of hold its own like i think there are some like that you know maybe are less so in terms of like the west coast east coast you know and all the issues with him and dre and like you know some of it is like relevant to 1996 and not necessarily to 2020 but i do think a lot of his themes are still relevant unfortunately mostly um the the negative one not the negative themes i suppose like you know of black men being the target and being imprisoned and you know being the ones who are on drugs and like things like that like those types of things like like his reality you know probably you know isn't too different today if you're in the same place that he was you know you know what i mean so i think that um yeah i think it's a classic fair enough well i guess that brings us to the end of our show everyone Thank you all for being here with us. Appreciate you all watching. Uh, definitely let us know in the comments what you thought. Uh, anything you want to say, we can totally respond to that. Um, I mean, I'll definitely respond. Uh, <laughs> like the video if you did. Subscribe slash follow slash whatever if you're down to see more content like this. And uh, looking forward to interacting with y'all in the future. Special thanks to the patrons, Ismail Gadamsi, Chris Prada, Jonathan Barnes, DJ Black Hurricane, Linda Williams, and Scribble. They're dope. They support what we do. Yeah, yeah. You can support us too over on patreon.com slash behind that suit. And then, uh, yeah, I make music myself, so you can check that out and let me know what you think. And on that note, I think that is the end of our show. So live long and prosper, everybody. Peace, guys.